and gore, and sometimes a little more, my bloody podcast. <laughs> What's up, everyone, and welcome to my bloody podcast. We're so happy to be here again this week, episode number 51. We are so happy and thank you all for listening to us for 50 episodes. This is number 51. The last two episodes were two of our favorite films, which were, of course, Reanimator and Army of Darkness. This week, episode 51, we're starting out with a bang because of its 40th anniversary the original Alien from 1979, my bloody podcast. I'm Brian Kluger with Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest, and we are part of the Multimedia Men Network, my bloody podcast, soon to be our own station. I am here with one of my favorite people who just bursts out of chess uncontrollably and just runs around wreaking havoc, but also has a good smile and a very vicious tongue. Preston Barta, how are you? Hello, my darling. Hello. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. It is Preston's birthday week. His birthday was yesterday. The dude's finally 21. The legend. <laughs> I'm uh, almost 30. I'm in my last year in my 20s. Oh, my goodness. 29 Preston. Yep. So last year of life, essentially, because as Jason Siegel said in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, you got your whole life ahead of you uh, until you're 30. <laughs> Not, hey, I, shit, man. I'm 37 years old. And I still, I'm still excited about life. And did you have a bloody good birthday? I did. It was uh, very chill. I mean, it was just like every day of the week for me. Usually that's, that's how it goes when your birthday is in the middle of the week. Uh, my wife was out of town on a work trip, so it was just me and my son. And so, yeah, we just chilled outside and hung out. And then after he went to sleep, I watched Popped in Alien. Next year is your 30th. It's going to be a big year for you. Gonna be a, we're going to oh, do a big thing, I think. Yeah, everybody's got to do something on their dirty 30. There you go. There you go. Uh, we have a great show. And, and with you involved, okay. it'll be extra dirty. It, oh, it's going to be extra dirty. I, I already have plans already for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's going to be all sorts of bodily fluids everywhere. Yeah, you're so, just going to paint the town with our organs. Yes, we are. <laughs> but we have a great show today for you, episode 51. We're going to be talking about our main feature later on in the show alien by ridley scott uh we'll of course have our bloody question which is a fun one and recommendations but first on to some horror movie news that has come out this past week we have new trailers for our most i think our most anticipated movie of the year ari aster's new film midsomar the director of hereditary his new film had a second trailer which gives us a a slightly better glimpse without giving too much away of kind of what the actual plot will be, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. I, I like I got so in the first trailer we kind of saw these people head to some really weird festival and then slowly things happened. But in this one we actually get some dialogue and we figure out that it's like a group of friends that looks like they're having relationship troubles and then they go to 
try to help those troubles at a kind of a spa getaway across country or across the globe. And then shit just goes haywire. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, did you get the sense? Uh, so the, the main couple here that's having relationship problems, or it just seems like the guy's very disinterested with the relationship and how things have been going. And that's played by Jack Rayner. And then Florence Pugh plays uh, the girl in the relationship, the woman in the relationship. And uh, so you get you get these moments of Jack Rayner's character talking with his friends, one of whom is played by Will Poulter. And so they already had all these plans of going, but the the relationship isn't going well. And but it seems like some sort of tragedy happened with Florence Pugh. Like maybe somebody in her family died, and then at that point, like maybe the guy Jack Rayner's character just doesn't feel comfortable breaking off the relationship given the circumstances. And is that is that what you got from it? Yeah, I'm guessing like there's some turmoil with some background to one of the characters, and like it's caused a riff in relationships and they're like we gotta let's go here it's supposed to be amazing but like somebody's from something from somebody's past is gonna show up and there's gonna be a reveal of some sort is what i got yeah yeah well i i don't just from this trailer you kind of begin to wonder it's like what what more is there to share because if it aligns a lot with hereditary you kind of know um what at least I can assume that if it, if Florence Pugh's performance is going to align with Tony Collette's performance in Hereditary, that it's going to she's going to serve as like the audience surrogate. We're going to go through all the questions and the emotions uh, with her and her kind of reflecting what we're feeling and thinking. But then uh, there's going to be a turn where she turns on the audience and kind of fully embraces this uh, weird pagan cult thing that's going on there. And like she's going to play a big part into it, maybe something kind of like what happened in Hereditary. And so that's kind of like what I can assume that's going to happen. But at the same time, I'm hoping that Ari Aster – has some surprises up his sleeve where it feels different. So I'm really excited about like what, how he's going to play with our expectations. And then I'm also excited about the fact that from this trailer, now we officially know that it's going to pretty much take place entirely during the daytime, which is something that I've always found to be very scary. If done well, movies like, it follows and Texas Chainsaw Massacre have moments where they make daytime scary, where you see like the entity walking around and it follows and uh, being chased by Leatherface in the daytime. So just the idea of making things that are comfortable, uncomfortable. And that's what makes horror films to be so exciting and scary is when it does that sort of thing. So I'm only expecting Ari Aster to take that even further. Here. Yes, Midsommar. Uh, check out the new trailer. It's coming up soon. We're very excited. Midsummer, July 3rd. Ah, we got to get Ari Aster on this show. 
Yeah, I've talked to him once for Hereditary at South by Southwest. Uh, well, since this is only his second film, <laughs> you can only assume that. But uh, yeah, he was. I could. I'm more. I would love to talk to him now. Now that he's kind of like taking in the the cultural impact that Hereditary's had, and I'm very curious to know like what the sophomore efforts going to be kind of like uh, with Jordan Peele with us like you know after you create something that's so grand like you wonder if it's going to get to his head at all and then it's going to show on screen but uh everything that's in this trailer kind of shows that uh it's not going to be a sophomore slump it's going to be something good so I would love to talk to him now yeah because it seems like hereditary you know tackled the demonic aspect and then Midsommar might look like it takes on a like nature a, a sexual yeah. thing. And like if he's doing like kind of like a sexual cult thing, ooh man, it's going to get graphic and amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> At least I hope so. But yeah, Midsommar, second trailer, check it out. Uh another trailer that came out, which mm. uh yeah. So we all know Sharknado. So the somebody was like, let's do a Sharknado movie, but instead of sharks, let's put clowns in there. So Clown NATO is an actual movie that's coming out called Clown NATO, where a tornado comes through town and drops off clowns. Now, by going by the trailer, it looks like they're just normal human serial killer clowns, yeah. uh, which doesn't make sense to me because I was hoping more of kind of like a killer clown alien vibe. But it yeah. doesn't look like that's the case here. Uh, there's like some cool shots in here. I mean, it looks cheap, but there's a couple moments in the trailer. It's like, okay, this looks creepy. But then as the trailer goes on, it's like, oh, this looks really terrible. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I want to watch it just to say I did watch it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you, you uh, take on that task for the oh. of us. Cause, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not interested in all. I haven't seen any of the Sharknado movies, but uh, I totally understand the whole kind of gimmick of this movie is so ridiculous looking. You have to see it. But I, I can. My curiosity was a little bit more there for Sharknado, but I just never made the, never took the plunge. And uh, but with this one, I'm just not interested at all. After watching the trailer, yeah, it has that cheap quality, um, kind of what you would expect from a movie called Sharknado. Uh, but yeah, I was expecting something a little bit more from uh, these killer clowns. Um, and uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it's just not really there. They seem pretty basic, and so it just seems like a, a missed opportunity. Um, so yeah, I'll wait until some. Uh, we get some feedback either from you or somebody else, but it just doesn't look promising to me at all. It does not, but you got to see the trailer though, because like, this is a thing now, all these so bad, it's good movies are coming out. So clown NATO is the next one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause you got to capitalize on, uh, the, the success of shark NATO and the success of it there you and go. all those desires to, want to have uh, a sequel to it came from outer space or uh, killer clowns from outer space. Yep. 
There you go. Clownado, check it out. Uh, another trailer, TV spot actually for the new Child's Play film. Uh, we know, we could not escape. Yes, it, it's it, it's the Child's Play show, really. Uh, and I mean, luckily, there's so much Child's Play and Chucky stuff in the works that I don't think we'll ever run out of stuff to talk about Child's Play or Chucky, really. So here's our official. We just need to make it a uh, like one of our. Our, um, our new segment. <laughs> yeah, our segment, the Chucky Spot. Um, so Child's Play TV Spot just came out. Uh, we have an official R rating, so it will be rated R. We have new footage of Chucky in action, and then we also get to hear more laughing and giggling from Mark Hamill doing the voice as Chucky. So, I mean, I am just like a... I, I mean, I'm not against this movie, but everything I see about it just makes me like, okay, this doesn't look as bad as I originally thought, but I'm still like on the fence here. Like, I really want it to be good. And it really is like, it's the same character names. It's Chucky, you know, it's, it's, Andy, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, Andy. And so I'm curious on like the differences they'll take and how far they'll go because in the original Child's Play, they really built it up. It was Child's Play is actually like a noir movie, uh, if you can mm. say so. That's like a you know cops and like there's a lot of character development and you really don't see Chucky do anything until about forty minutes into the movie. And I hope it's kind of that way because I love that slow build tension uh, that it built and when it happened when Chucky first yelled at Andy's mother, Mrs. Barkley, like that was so good and then it just like got crazier from there. So I'm hope mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how this goes, but every trailer I've seen in this TV spot, it just it looks good. So I don't. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, you know, I've expressed like the the aspects of this film that I'm really interested in, but now you know, just listening to you kind of go through that breakdown, we know that this film doesn't, or as far as we know, does not involve voodoo and all that that whole thing, and so I, I wonder. Uh, like what the cold opening is going to be like, what are they going to do with that? Or if they're even going to take that route or if they do decide to focus more on the, you know, the mother and son dynamic, that whole relationship. And then uh, I think Brian, Brian Henry, I can't think of his name right now, but the guy that's going to be taking over like Chris Sarandon's character in the original film, that detective, so, uh, yeah, I hope that because, I mean, it's from the producers of it and it's uh, the first chapter of it is uh, pretty fantastic because it takes the time to let you know the characters and spend time with them and, and, and enjoy who they are, understand their fears and their ambitions. And so I hope that they do that here um, before they, you know start introducing all the killing and everything like that. But, um, I, I kind of get that sense from these, uh, from the trailer and the TV spot. I mean, I hope that Chucky isn't at the forefront and isn't just, it just doesn't become a, you know, a parade of killing of him just going after person after person. Like it, I want the kills to actually mean something and not feel so, completely random and uh it's nice to hear mark hamill again uh have more to share and uh i think what i'm really really 
excited about is because from what we've heard from Mark Hamill's performance so far, it's just been like simple kind of quiet, innocent little phrases like, uh, you know, good night, Andy, or, uh, here, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, something about playing with with each other or see how much fun we have together yeah and uh but i want what brad dorif does so well uh is when he screams and says you fucking bitch and yeah so you you, of, you stupid bitch you filthy slut i'll teach you to fuck with me and i'm really yeah. happy to hear mark hamill say something like that <laughs> yeah gonna be like dude you got a dirty mouth yeah. um <laughs> yeah so yeah i i'm 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 very hopeful. I, I'm uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to see like what they come up with and how they change things and uh, yeah, bring I, it into 2019. Yeah, I'm curious on that because you know what I'm think. So one of the problems I have with the new Chucky is, as far as I've seen in the trailer, it looks like when he's like bad Chucky, he his eyes glow red and yeah, like just Terminator looks yeah. stupid. Um, however, with this, you know, because like they say that mm-hmm. it's going to be AI that's gone haywire. And yeah. so with lines like, you know, um, you stupid bitch, you filthy slut, I'll teach you to fuck with me. That was actually, I mean, that was Charles Lee Ray, the the Lakeshore Strangler. Yeah. You know, that's like his wording. Like, that's probably what he's saying. But like, as an AI, you would have to think like somebody fucked up and put tons of serial killer internet stuff into this ai chucky and that's what <laughs> they, makes they him. made him uh sit down they plugged him in something like clockwork orange yes. and then made him watch a bunch of violent content yeah that's interesting uh yeah that, that makes it uh has me even more curious to know like how they if if they'll even take that approach or if he'll just have like all these kind of like kid-like phrasing similar to the uh, kid from uh, Pet Cemetery, where it just at, at first he has like all these kind of like I love you, Daddy, and, and then he just has violent actions come through, and then he starts getting a dirty mouth. Right. Um, the yeah, the yeah. dirty mouth. Uh, yeah, I wonder how that'll come through. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, I really hope I like it. I'm I'm on the fence still, but I really want to like it. And everything I've seen, I'm starting to like it more. So we'll see. We'll see. Child's Play yeah, TV. Only got, a month, only got a month away. Yeah, only there a month you go. Away. Uh, next into the news is Hulu's Into the Dark Horror series next episode will be yeah. centered on the upcoming holiday, Father's Day, uh, called They Come Knocking. And I, you know, I've actually never seen any Into the Dark stuff. So, Preston, have you? And I, I've... You know, I've uh, I've said that I've been wanting to. I still haven't done it. Uh, I I remember when we uh, first started talking about it and I first learned about it, it was in February when they were doing an episode focused on Valentine's Day. And I, after I learned about that, I was like, I wanted to do that, but I just had, haven't made the time to do it yet. But I've heard good things, especially from uh, the April Fool's Day one that they did. Um, um, so that, that has me interested in, so, and then May this month, they focused on Mother's Day naturally. And so, yeah, you, uh, that, that's just what the show is. It's a horror anthology series that kind of focuses on, uh, certain holidays throughout the year or events or the seasons themselves. I think March, like they didn't do like St. Patrick's day. I think they just kind of focused on spring in general and being outdoors and then had a, tr- some, uh, an episode that focused on a tree house, 
so we've just learned a little bit more information about the ones that are coming out in June and July. So yes, as you said, Brian, uh, June will be focused on Father's Day titled They Come Knocking. Um, it, it's a pretty basic premise, um, so I, I can't comment on if uh, if the synopsis read as simple or familiar, if they kind of like break away from that. Um, but according to like the official synopsis, uh, the one in June for Father's Day, they come knocking, will be focused on a father who uh, takes his two daughters on a road trip after losing uh, his wife and their mother to cancer. And on their trip, they run into supernatural entities. So there, you that sounds like nothing too exciting because uh, it sounds very basic. But um, who knows? It could be something uh, there's more going on there that they're not they're, – they're, you know, holding close to the chest and aren't, aren't sharing with us. But uh, the July episode, however, has me – more excited about it because of simply because of the casting, but, um, it's focused around independence day, but it, yeah, it doesn't have Will Smith or Jeff Goldblum or aliens or anything like that, but, uh, it does star Barbara Crampton and, uh, the, <laughs> the guy, the guy who can give you the most affordable, warm guy recommendations. And that is Creed from the office. So Creed <laughs> Bratton is going to be, uh, in the July cool. into the dark episode. That um, sounds awesome. So, um, as far in uh, this episode's titled culture shock, and it follows a young Mexican woman in the pursuit of the American dream who crosses illegally into the United States only to find herself in an American nightmare. So that simple phrasing has me, uh, pretty excited about it. So, uh, you know, as, as we've expressed on this podcast, some of our favorite horror, uh, movies and television shows, content in general, bring, uh, social issues to, uh, the world of horror. And so we kind of explore those deeper. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated about how they're going to, uh, deal with immigration and things like that. And so, yeah, uh, I might have to just, uh, catch up on this and, uh, give it a shot. So maybe that might be a rec- bloody recommendation down the line. So I'll, I will make a point to get into it. Yes, yes, we will definitely want to check all those out at some point soon. Um, moving on to another bit of news, which I thought I would never actually put these two things together ever, but now they are. Uh, just doesn't make sense, but it makes perfect sense. So Chris Rock, the comedian, yeah. the comedian Chris Rock, you know him, is teaming with Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures for a fresh new reimagining on the Saw franchise. Yes, the Jigsaw Killer. Um, supposedly, R- Chris Rock loves the Saw franchise and got in touch with uh, Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures and told them, like, I have this fantastic vision that reimagines and spins off the world of the Taurus Jigsaw Killer. And I guess everybody was like, yes, please, this sounds great. So it's actually happening. And they have a date, October 23rd, right before Halloween in 2020. Chris Rock will executive produce. Uh, and this just seems crazy, but... I mean, I'm, so did Jordan Peele doing Get Out, but yet that came out fantastic. So, uh, it, yeah, just the idea of like a comedian kind of coming in 
uh, or at least somebody that we're very familiar with a specific uh, type of work coming in to do a different type of work. Um, yeah, uh, that, that is, it seems so alien for somebody like Chris Rock uh, to kind of come into this franchise and have an idea. But uh, I, I mean, it has me curious. I, I'm, I'm very uh, I'm very excited to see like what he can do with the franchise. I haven't I haven't stayed around, haven't stuck with the franchise to saw. Kind of like checked out after the the third one, which I believe is probably like the last good one. Oh no, <laughs> no, you're wrong there, sir. You're oh, really? very wrong. I've seen all of them. I own all of them. Uh you'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, a couple of them, yeah, just kind of like okay, we're just going for the kills here, but uh this most recent one just called Jigsaw is actually pretty decent. Hmm. All right. Well, so. I guess if you like those films, the same director and writers of those are going to be involved. So uh, they'll have that, but uh, it'll be under uh, the puppet control of Chris Rock. Yeah, and I'm really hoping, <laughs> I'm really hoping that it's going to be a lot like his TV show, Everybody Hates Chris, where he's narrating <laughs> over everything, <laughs> kind of like Arrested Development, because I believe. That Everybody Hates Chris was the first to kind of do that. And then Arrested Development really brought it to mainstream, like the over the the creator um, narrating everything, which would be so funny because it's supposed to like uh, they say it's going to reinvigorate the franchise with mm. Chris Rock's wit and creative vision. So hopefully mm. we'll get a little bit of the comedy and the horror here. But I, I'm this is like just crazy news to me, and I'm super excited about it. And hopefully maybe he'll have a cameo. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Or or he's the one that's in uh, like the new uh, uh, what's the killer's name? Jigsaw. Yeah, I guess it's just yeah, just Jigsaw. Um, so yeah, maybe he's the new Jigsaw. That'd be awesome. Uh, so yes, mo- moving on with another bit of news. It is the Cannes Film Festival happening right now, and what is happening at the Cannes Film Festival? They show a bunch of movies and they honor some people. Who are they honoring this year in a big award? John Carpenter, and that means John Carpenter has been doing tons of press. Preston, what has John Carpenter said? Um, yeah, usually when he does uh, interviews, I remember with Halloween, a lot of people ask him uh, since he did the the composed the score for the 2018 Halloween. Uh, I remember people asking him if he would come back to directing, and he just uh, I think he you know kind of what you would expect. It's been like 10 years since he's directed a horror film. I think the last one was 2010's uh, the, the Ward. Yeah. Uh, which I've never seen. Have you seen that? Yes, it's a. It's. I mean, it's you know, no '80s, '90s John Carpenter, but it's still right. you know good. <clears throat> um. So yeah, uh, he he's just kind of expressed uh, that he's just wanted to take a break and just enjoy life. I guess play video games and watch basketball. Yeah, that's what he says. Um, he loves video games. Yeah, and and composing music. So, um, yeah, it, it, I'm. I would be so interested in seeing what a John Carpenter and I guess now probably if he, if he decides to do something, this is what he said that he wants to make either a little horror film or do some kind of big adventure film again. Um, but, uh, but there's all these like, you know, back then he was dealing, dealing with a lot of budget restrictions. And so like now, like even with, 
having like Blumhouse's like five million dollars, like he can still do a lot of exciting stuff. Um, but and then you know working with bigger studios who may give him the chance to kind of do a big adventure film and not have as many restrictions because he's he's uh, he's pretty open about uh, talking about or he's pretty open about um, his relationship with studios and working with them. Um, so I think a lot of studios kind of know what his demands are. So, uh, if they do know that, then they'd probably be willing to work with him. And just the fact of just, uh, John Carpenter coming out of retirement to do his next movie would, is like something that you can slap on the poster itself and have people excited. So whatever it is, we're there. Right, right, right. He, uh, he's, I mean, he's an old dude, but if he gets back in the chair and does something with like the people he's worked with before and, you know, kind of has like control over what he does, I would, I'm all in. Yeah. I, I just hope that, uh, you know, I've said this with like Tim Burton, like, I hope he has some connection with his old school storytelling abilities and uses like practical effects and things like that. Cause I, I wouldn't want it to be just like a pure CGI affair. Right. Right. You want those old practical effects there with yeah. him. So. Find, find a nice happy medium. Yes. So go John Carpenter. Congratulations. Hope you're having fun at Cannes. Do all that you do there. Um, moving on to home video releases. There's one huge one that was announced yesterday from Warner Brothers. Home video releases. Uh, just like 2001 Space Odyssey, we are finally getting Stanley Kubrick's The Shining on 4K UHD ultra high definition and Blu-ray and digital from Warner Brothers. It's going to be coming out on October 1st is a complete 4K remastering of Kubrick's original 146-minute version of the movie, meaning we're going to get that hospital scene. We're going to get extra scenes. It's going to be longer. It premiered that way back in the USA back in 1980, and every release since then has not been that version. So super cool. It's a new 4K scan of the original 35-millimeter camera negative, and Steven Spielberg himself and Leon Vitale who uh, had worked with Kubrick for many years and was his personal assistant, supervised and worked on the remaster. Super cool. And unfortunately, Press and I are not at Cannes Film Festival because they're showing this new version. They're premiering it there. I'm super excited about this. Preston, I know you have stuff to say about artwork and (laughs) steelbooks and everything else. Yeah, there's no news of a steelbook yet, but I I don't doubt that they're – that there uh, won't be, uh, or that there will be, but um, there, because I have a really nice steel book right now that that's just the basic Blu-ray release, and it has like it's very simple, just has a, the the door, and it has red rum written on it. Um, so I I can only expect that they'll take a pretty cool approach. But I, however, I, I really hope that the steel book has the the art that they have released for uh, the the regular 4K Ultra HD, which is just this – I'm all about design. I work in design, and um, I collect posters. And as I've mentioned every week, I love steelbooks and uh, art, uh, cover art and slip covers and all that shit, that this looks uh, great. Um, This is the kind of poster that I would hang on my wall. I love uh, collecting fan art. 
um, from some of my uh, favorite people that I follow on Instagram. They release posters, and anytime they release something for a property that I'm really uh, love, like The Shining, um, I'm uh, dropping about 50 to a hundo to get it. And so this one, uh, you should look it up. Um, it's just like a basic white uh, background, um, which looks great if you own the 4K of Overlord, because I love when uh, art, cover art has like very few colors involved. And this one just has like tones of gray, 50 shades of gray, um, and red and then white involved. And so it would just, I, it just would look good. Even if you, uh, propped it up on like something that were like a book holder where you can like show it off on your shelf. Um, but yeah, it has, uh, the outline, like the silhouette of, um, of Jack Nicholson's character. And you see Danny riding his tricycle and then you see the, the Overlook Hotel within that uh, silhouette. And then you see, uh, like, the typography or, like, the, the writing of, you know, All the, uh, Jack Nicholson writing out. All working uh, out play. Yes. Because the silhouette uh, is actually of Jack Nicholson with the bloody axe looking for Danny. And that's, like, yeah. it's, it's super cool. Yeah. It has a whole – takes on a whole bunch of different meanings and uh, – and yeah, it has like a lot of the most iconic moments involved. Like you see, like the bloody elevator kind of slightly in the background. So yeah, there's there a lot of thought went into this, and uh, it, it has me excited more so than uh, or just as excited about the news of it just coming to 4K in general. That it has like really cool cover art to kind of back it up. So. Yeah, I, I I can't wait until the Best Buy or who, who probably Best Buy releases a steel book, and I hope that the cover art's just as cool, or if they just do the same stuff. Yeah, because with 2001 Space Odyssey, they kind of did like a collector's edition of that too, which they came with like a booklet and all sorts yeah. of stuff. And I'm hoping they do that with this too. Yeah, I love those like big thick releases. So I never, I didn't get the steel book for it. I know James Cole Clay has the steel book for it because uh, they they release very few of them. But I love just the basic big packaging that has all that booklet because they stick out on your shelf as you're like kind of scanning through you're like oh shit um so yeah uh, i hope they do they do the same thing with this one and so i i, I, would, I would imagine that they would for, right given how much people love the shining uh just as much as 2001 it's yeah it looks good and it doesn't look like there's any new extras on it um that's, but it's a good collection of extras. Right, because you're still going to get that great documentary by Kubrick's daughter uh, yeah. that shows everything. The composer going to get the audio commentary by the Steadicam inventor and Kubrick biographer uh, and some making of stuff. So, I mean, it looks like a collection of stuff of bonus features from previous releases will all be on here. And then plus you'll have a digital copy and the Blu-ray as well as the new 4k transfer. I would, I was only, I was really hoping that there was going to be a new extra with new interviews from Spielberg and Vitaly talking about this. So yeah, that would have been good. um, Maybe they'll sneak it in. You never know. Yeah. You never know. So it's one of the, one of the Kubrick films that hasn't been on criterion yet, hopefully sometime soon, but uh, that is coming out October 1st, time for Halloween. We'll definitely be updating you on that for sure. Um, and as well as other home video releases, was there anything from Arrow or Scream Factory this week that we got? 
Um, this came, uh, one I wanted to talk about because again, usually when there's a film that I try to chase or that I watch in hopes to make it a bloody recommendation and it sucks, I got to bring it up in the news. So <laughs> Arrow released this movie, this horror film called Scared Stiff. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, have you seen this? Scared stiff. I, you know what? I think so. I'm, I'm looking it up right now just to remind yeah, myself. It, yeah, it came out in like 1986, and it involves a uh, like it's like a haunting film, but the, the haunting is from a slave owner from uh, the early or like around the 1800s, uh, where early in the early in the film you see um, some slaves. Uh, uh, get at him, and then he decides to just haunt people on the pl- who live in the plantation house. And so it it was it's a neat idea to take. It's different, um, but I just found myself pretty bored by it, and it just didn't go in the direction that I wanted to. It's just like it has a lot of fluff in it, and none of that fluff is very interesting to me. Even though it has like people in it that I really like. Um, uh, what's his name? The the guy, the the main lead that's in the film, uh, Andrew Stevens. He was in uh, one of these great movies that I just saw uh, within this past year called Ten to Midnight. And I, it's just like those nice little things where you're like, oh yeah, I recognize him from this other film that you know probably a lot of people don't really know about. And so I, I just was excited about the premise and everybody involved and Arrow doing a horror film because they either do like these kind of like low key horror films or they do like these really gross ones that I'm not interested in. Um, so I just like taking chances and I took a chance on this. It just didn't work out for me. Um, so, but if, if you're still, uh, at all interested, the movie, yeah, movie came out in 1986 called scare stiff and hero video put it out, but they have good extras, good, uh, information and usually when the movie maybe doesn't live up to your expectations usually the extras are pretty good and the content's really good and it's more fun to kind of like talk about listen to people talk about the film and uh what their intentions were uh if the movie sucks um so that's the case with scared stiff but uh another thing i wanted to talk about was i've caught up with what we do in the shadows on FX, okay. that TV series. Uh, Brian, have you watched any of it yet? I have not. Okay, you got to get on it, man. Um, there's <laughs> some good stuff in it. Um, I think when I made it a bloody recommendation back in March when it premiered at uh, South by Southwest, I maybe just focused on the first episode. I can't remember. At that point, I saw the first four. Um, and episode three is one of the funniest episodes of television that I've seen. And it's just, it's more, most in line with the greatness of the original film. And so, uh, things that you can get, uh, look forward to if you haven't watched it is there's a lot of fantastic cameos in this. And one, I do want to share because it may cause you to want to watch it even more and it's Tilda Swinton, and she plays her character from Only Lovers Left Alive. <laughs> really? Yeah. Does she really? So, yeah, she does. Uh-huh. So just opening up the world, like uh, making it seem like the 
the like the whole all the vampire movies that have ever been made are all part of the same universe. So uh, it's just fun that they're taking they're taking this uh, series into interesting directions, and it just isn't super repetitive. There are a couple episodes where it's just like I think it's like episode probably like uh, four and five uh, that weren't that great to me. There's one I'm trying to find because I watched it. But I think they've changed the ordering, like the order of the episodes since uh, officially releasing it to the public. But there's one like episode three, you know, involves uh, uh, one of the characters. He's like the funny comic comic relief of the of the TV show. And he's just walking around his yard and he trims his bushes to make it look like his past lovers uh, like actual bushes. <laughs> and. And then there's one where he like shows like this is my mother's vagina and this is Nancy Reagan. <laughs> so they just have fun with it and it just is definitely something that you would uh, eat up, Brian. So uh, if you have access to FX. Uh, I do. I need to watch it. Yeah, catch up on it because I, I think they're getting close to ending it. And now there's a it's officially going to have a second season. So there's going to be more good stuff. So I, I hope they like iron out and realize what this show is because they've been trying to find a new identity. And I think they've found it. So, um, yeah, I'm excited that there's going to be more stuff from it. Sweet deal. Uh, yeah, I got to got to check that out for sure. Um that kind of wraps up our news. We're going to talk about very, very briefly, uh, since it's genre, not really horror, but genre. It's got blood. Yeah, it's got blood, a lot of blood. We both uh, saw John Wick 3, Parabellum, and uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about that, spoiler-free, really. But, uh, yeah, John Wick 3, uh, the third in this franchise. Hopefully they're not stopping anytime soon because this third movie in my opinion, is my favorite of the three so far because the action sequences are so good. It expands on the whole John Wick universe. We find out a little more about him, where he came from, and it's over the top mixed with a good, like, thing of comedy. Like it's very grounded, too. Yes, yes. Like, it doesn't... like. It's it's oh, it's just so good. They they added yeah. like this comedic element to it, and how they staged these fight scenes is some of the best I've ever seen. So yeah, it's just it's just good. I can't recommend it enough. It's it's great. Yeah, same same here. Like uh, I you know for how good like even the sequel is because th- they're only getting better. Um, I love the first one because. I think a lot of us, especially when we saw it at Fantastic Fest, were just kind of expecting, oh, this is going to be a fun action film with Keanu Reeves, but I don't think nobody expected that it would have that much depth to it, where it has like all this uh, stuff with the crime world, all these rules that they live by, and the Continental Hotel, which is like the safe ground, the high table, uh, how they how they dress and what weapons they use. Like there's just so much going on here and it's so rich that it can become a problem later on. Uh, if they start exploring these things further, it's kind of like a, you know, the issues that we take with, uh, you know, solo, a star Wars story where, or uh, rogue one where you're like, yeah, all that, inf- that information was teased. We don't necessarily need the full course of that 
But even as they go further and further, they're not digging so much into the things that we already been teased about um, or what they've teased. They're exploring things uh, that just kind of expand the universe. So in John Wick 3, we don't get a flashback sequence like a shitty movie would do. We get information about how John grew up from watching uh, this school, this academy, uh, training kids, and you can just kind of visualize John doing that instead of having a younger version of him doing that. So they're just finding all these kind of subtle ways to expand the universe. And uh, the new characters that they bring into this are so great, and I agree with you, Brian. I really think that this one, I think all of them are pretty much in line with – match each other like their their quality like there's great things about each and every one but like right now it could be the high off of seeing this one the this third one which the action is arguably the best out of all of them um and the action doesn't so much mirror what we've seen before they're chad stahilski the director is uh finding ways to take these uh, hand-to-hand combat sequences, uh, gun foo, horse foo, car foo, whatever, whatever they do, and put it in a new environment and make it feel fresh. Because I was worried about, okay, so this one, how things end with Chapter Two, it's going to be more. It's just going to be John Wick versus the world, and it's going to be very repetitive of him killing person after person. Um, but it, it's not just that there's more going on. So yeah, love the characters, especially, uh, Mark Costco's as the main antagonist of the film. Uh, as Brian said, there, there's, there's a lot of comedy in this one and they find like these kind of nice ways to kind of introduce it. And, uh, most the majority of that comedy kind of comes from Mark Dacascos's character as zero. Right. So. Because he's like, it's like some, as we haven't seen in previous installments, like John wick is like the most popular assassin ever. And like a lot of other assassins, like consider him like, you know, the Michael Jackson, the most popular of assassins. So when people try to kill him, they also have a fanboy moment. <laughs> Yeah. Of like meeting him and it's like real respectable, but also they have to kill him. Like it's, it's but it's done in such a great, funny way. And Mark Dem- Damascos, I think that's his name, is is perfect for this role. And he's been in other films, uh, you know, throughout the years. But oh, I really hope he gets a resurgence because he was just pitch perfect in this film. Yeah, I uh, yeah, Mark Damascos. As I uh, I got to the chance to interview him. Uh, just yesterday uh, for John Wick. And so uh, I grew up watching him. He was in movies like Double Dragon and Only the Strong. And he was in the fifth kickboxer film. And he has, he plays a part in the island of Dr. Moreau. Um, so he's been around. He's like uh, he, he was a big part of my childhood growing up because I was really into martial arts. So I would watch movies like Three Ninjas, but watched a lot of Double Dragon. And um, so to see him like – it just warms my heart that because uh, initially this uh, part of Zero was going to go to another uh, famous uh, or another or a famous actor that we would know, and uh, he had to drop out. And so 
uh, Mark Dacascos came into this pretty last minute and was able to create a character that's one of the most interesting characters in the John Wick universe that he has brings this whole fanboy element. We've seen in other films uh, that level of respect. I think Common as Cassian from the second John Wick, he, he has respect for John Wick, but he's getting revenge. While for Mark Dacascos is zero, he has respect for John Wick, but it's purely business. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, there's bottom line. There's a lot going on here. It's very exciting. The the action scenes are incredible. There's one with the daggers and knives and them just thugs grabbing everything off the shelf and throwing it at each other. That was probably the best scene. And then there's dogs in action. Uh, it's something that we've been wanting since the beginning of this franchise, especially watching John Wick's dog get killed. Uh, we want to see like dogs kind of get their revenge or get their moment and they yes. get their moment in this. They and do. It's, it's pretty it's great. Good. So go yeah. see John Wick three. Go, yeah, go do it. All right. All right. That's it for news. Uh, on to my bloody question. Uh, it's uh, of course alien themed this week. It's where we ask a question and we answer it horror themed wise and we bring it to the internet, most specifically Reddit. And we ask our audience on Reddit what they thought. And we got some good answers, some funny answers this time. So the question this week was in an alien type scenario, if someone or something were to burst out of your chest, who would it be and what would they do? Preston. Um, so assuming that they impregnate you too, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about the impregnation. Yeah. They got, they got to, got to get it in you somehow. The seeds got to get in you. Um, that just brings on a whole nother, I I just think that something was going to pop out your chest, but I guess something's going to face fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I'll leave that element out of it uh i guess you can imagine from my what my pick is uh so i would pick if i if something bursted out of my chest i would pick that that seemingly evil version of woody from toy story where from the original film where he's like kind of messing with uh, sid the the dirt bag of a neighbor uh to andy where, <laughs> where you know he blows up, he blows him up. But uh, Woody has this part where he's like speaking directly, trying to scare Sid. When he's like, uh, "Be be good to your toys, because we see everything." So just having that evil version of Woody come out, and then actually just full on, like he enjoys it so much that he just becomes a killer toy. Um, <laughs> so th- th- that's that's what my idea would be to have an evil version of Woody pop out of my chest and just uh, uh, make the world his. Oh, I like that. I do like that. Would it be Tom Hanks doing it? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. To, I guess, bring in our, uh, bl- our bloody question from a while ago and make it uh, a full circle moment here. I, gl- I, gl- I like it. I like it. All right. Mine, I, I would have Gilbert Gottfried burst out of my chest of course. and tell dirty jokes. It would make any occasion better. And Preston says, of course. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what I would want. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried bursting out of my chest. 
I would like to see like a speed dating round of him like <laughs> popping out, <laughs> like Quado yeah. uh, from Total Recall. Yeah, <laughs> a man walks into an old man. Oh, so good! All right, shall we go to Reddit? Yes. All right, Reddit gave us a few good answers this week for. In an alien-type scenario, if someone or something were to burst out of your chest, who would it be and what would they do? Crisis 37 said, The hand of God holding a sword so I may take that sword to smite demons. Cool. Uh, briskly Bruce said, A smaller version of me with a sm- similar chest burster inside it, and so on, like Russian dolls. So... It keeps going much mm. smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bird said, Macho Man Randy Savage, and he'd do whatever he goddamn wanted to do. <laughs> and I go, ooh, yeah. And that was not me that said that. <laughs> Bird, we like it. Um, Savor Sale said, Willem Dafoe, just smiling. <laughs> We know how creepy his smile can be. Mm-hmm. Um, Briss, uh, how do you say this? Brissualoso said the Kool Aid Man. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Uh, Doctor Carrion Crow said Horatio Kane. And if you're not familiar with who Horatio Kane is, he's like the head guy in SVU Miami. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Spouting one-liners and putting on or taking off sunglasses, I'd provide the yeah with my dying breath. Uh, Flesh Vessel said, a tiny Sigourney Weaver, she would just be chilling in her panties. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, JWBM said, my student loan officer asking me about the next payment. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And then... Uh, Potato Lulls said, that's a really bleak and terrifying horror, horror story ending. Uh, Miracle Quip said, my own heart, because I recently stole Christmas and there's only so much room in my body. Which, mm-hmm. pretty interesting. <laughs> Patrick Hockstetter 07 said, bees, just bees. <laughs> so like Candyman? Yeah, I think like Candyman. And then we got in – so the ne- the next one, the last one, uh, was actually negative downvoted <laughs> of a comment. All right. Uh, Iced PGH said, if we're talking about something that is not like you or part of you as the alien isn't, then it would be a disgusting red-colored little creature with two heads that look like Comrade Bernie and AOC. Now, that's truly scary. It would screech out its socialist – bullshit before being kicked out the airlock and exploding <laughs> so comrade bernie sanders as this guy is implying in aoc as uh what's her name cortez um is am i right with that i think so uh so this person got downvoted negative points for his comment on the reddit post <laughs> Yeah, if you bring up politics, you're going down. You're going down, but like he, oh my goodness, he. Some good imagery, though. Yeah, this guy is into politics, but was browsing the horror Reddit and saw our question and decided to answer it. But that that, uh, gives us all of our uh, 
Reddit responses this week. If you want to let us know who or what would burst out of your chest, please email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com and let us know because we would love to hear from you. Uh, yes, that was good. I like that one. But on to Bloody Recommendations right now before our main event. Bloody Recommendations where we suggest a good and fun horror movie that you might not have remembered or not have seen. That is just kind of lost under the tapes. It might be even a new thing that's out right now that you don't know about. But Preston, what is your Bloody Recommendation this week? Uh, unfortunately, you know my bloody recommendation this week, <laughs> um, but uh, you, the audience, does not know. So uh, just recently, um, Criterion put out Michael Haneke's uh, 2000 – not 2007. He did do a all-English remake, shot-for-shot remake, um, but uh, I'm talking about 1997's original Funny Games um, – that uh yeah it's, it's out on criterion now so um oddly enough well not oddly enough but i my first experience with this film uh actually was with its 2007 remake with tim roth and uh naomi watts michael pitt um i saw it at the magnolia theater here in dallas uh back when i was 17 years old uh in 2007 and um i just uh, i it, it was a, both of these films really fascinate me. It's a very divisive film, both both films, um, because they're they're very bizarre experiments. Um, at, at initially, uh, or at least the reason why I went to go see it, uh, having not seen the original film and not really known anything about it, just going off the purely the trailer. And I think the 2007 uh, version trailer. Uh, had like um, some classic song, like classic music song uh, used in it um, that just really got me interested in it because I like it when films have that explore uh, human psychology and uh, crazy people just doing brutal things. Uh, that's what I was interested in at the time. Um, and because uh, I, when I was in high school, all the films that I wrote for in high school all dealt with human psychology in some form. I made one movie that dealt with schizophrenia and I did one that dealt with um, suicide and just uh, bad thoughts and pure thoughts. And so I find I was just I've always been very interested in human psychology and so this movie is very fascinating because you think that it's going to unfold like The Strangers, where it just deals with uh, these pair of dudes dressed like they're tennis players and golf players. And they're going from picking off pe- uh, families who live uh, – have uh, like a lake house. And uh, so like in the beginning of the film, you know, we see uh, a very loving family. Uh, listening to some music while uh, some like hardcore death metal comes on uh, just for the audience to know, Oh man, you're about to see something. And so uh, we get to know the family. We spend time with them. We, 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 they have a dog and everything seems so sweet and it's going to be a good time. But we, we know that something crazy is about to happen because we, we see them encountering the neighbors, uh, having to run in with the neighbors, this family. And then we, that's when we first see, 
uh, these two guys. And so later after uh, these two guys meet this family, we realize, oh, shit, they did something to that family. And they're just going around. And so this movie is not uh, like The Strangers where it's just them going from house to house picking off people. They are doing that, but they're like metaphysical beings who uh, operate in a way that is not a part of our world whatsoever. They have these crazy abilities to uh, – it's not supernatural in uh, – in the sense that you may under, uh, define the word supernatural, uh, it's purely to be an experiment uh, from the director, Michael Haneke. Um, he's, try, he's basically waving his finger at the audience to question and criticize the way that we take in violence. Uh, when we watch this, we're like, oh, my God, we, I want to see these two guys kill this family and then – you never like stop to think about why the hell do I want this to happen? So it's like a weird, strange experiment that kind of breaks down the way that we uh, love the horror genre and we love thrillers and we love violence. And so it's, it uh, does that. Like it, uh, it can piss off a lot of people. I think it, I remember it kind of pissed, it pissed me off. And so um, anybody who's probably seen it, uh, I, I have friends who are, uh, film critics that I really admire write pissed off pieces about the film and how it upset them because there's there's even like a rewind moment and um, so it's just a very strange experiment but it's a movie that I haven't stopped thinking about uh, over the past 12 years since I saw the the 2007 remake and then uh, later caught the 1997 original film so uh if you haven't seen it give it a shot and just uh sit with it and and, uh just allow yourself to kind of think about it and absorb it and its ideas and uh explore the moods that uh comes to mind or that pops up when after you're seeing it and then what's fun is to with especially this Criterion releases because they have uh, new interviews with Haneke, new interviews with uh, some of the actors, and they have an interview with a film historian, and so it's just it's just one of those films that is just like really super fascinating, kind of like what us Jordan Peele's Us will be um, when we uh, finally get to get that Blu-ray or that 4K whatever and get to explore the commentary. It's just like, it's just one of those movies that has a lot going on and it's fun to talk about. So, um, just a very strange experiment. So yeah, uh, funny games, the original 1997 film out on criterion now. Um, so easier for you to find. There you go. Funny games, criterion, Haneke, good stuff. Good recommendation. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, my, recommendation for you this today a lot of you might have seen maybe not but if you have you probably haven't seen it in a while and you should give it a shot again because it is super fun the movie is from 1990 and the original uh title of the movie is called dark angel but you would probably know it as i come in peace 
and it stars Dolph Lundgren and Brian Benben. But Brian Benben was the star of that HBO show, Dream On. So, do you remember this movie, Preston? Did you ever see this? I have not. Okay. This movie's right up your alley. So, the movie was directed by Craig R. Baxley. He directed... His directorial debut was Action Jackson. <laughs> uh, and he's, he's done a bunch of other stuff, but nothing quite as good as this, I think. And it was written by David Kep, And David Kep has written just crazy amount of movies such as like this movie when he first started out, but went on to do like death becomes her Jurassic park, uh, Jurassic park Two, snake eyes, stir of echoes, Carlito's way mission impossible one, Spider-Man war of the worlds, Indiana Jones, uh, Jack Ryan, the mummy, a bunch of stuff. So he kind of got a start here, but this movie, uh, back when Dolph Lundgren was like on top of the game, uh, is he plays kind of like a, a cop that does things his own way. Like he he gets the bad guys, but by force and by his own way. And this is set in Texas, in Houston, Texas. Um, so all of a sudden, Dolph Lundgren and Brian Benben are searching uh, for this. Uh, this person who's kind of been part of these drug-related murders on the streets of Houston, Texas. But it turns out that this person is actually named uh, Talik. And uh, he is an alien, an evil alien um, who is uh, trying to get drugs into all these people that will kill you in uh, – is not to make you feel good whatsoever. So um, he's basically taking their brains and synthesizing them. It's all sorts of crazy. And he takes them home to his home planet. So it's kind of like a sci-fi alien invasion. Asian with Dolph Lundgren and a gun trying to take out this alien bad guy on the streets of Houston, Texas. And it's super crazy, pure, like late 1980s action goodness, complete with like the music of the time. Uh, and, you know, like it didn't do well in theaters and a lot of people didn't like it but as time has gone on a lot of people really love this movie because it's pretty violent and super fun and gory and crazy so yes i come in peace it is uh currently was released on screen factory uh blu-ray uh, a few years ago if you haven't seen it you're gonna have a great time with this alien action horror film I come in peace. Uh, Preston, I know you will like it. Well, I just checked my collection. I do own it because I think I got it with uh, <laughs> like a bonus pack when I bought something offline. So I do have it. So uh, now that you recommended it, uh, I pop it in, I guess. Yeah, you're. it's super fun. I, th- I think you're really going to enjoy it because it's like just right up there with great action and great over-the-top performances. And you'll love – Love the bad guy, uh, Talek. He's played by Matthias Hughes, who looks like every bad guy ever. Um, and you'll just you'll you'll know it when you see him because he's just unbelievably fun. Uh, he looks like, and, um, if I remember correctly, uh, from the cover, just because I glanced at it real quick, kind of looks like that guy from Highlander. 
yes. in Mortal Kombat. Yes, for sure. Uh, he's been in a bunch of movies, and he's usually the bad guy. But uh, yeah, he's great in it. And supposedly, he announced that there's do, they're doing a sequel. So hopefully, that uh, happens. But yeah, I come in peace. An alien invasion action cop movie <laughs> with Dolph Lundgren, written by David Kep and also starring Brian Benben, who we don't see enough of these days. So, uh, with that recommendation, uh, we are on to our feature presentation, Alien from 1979, uh, our 40th anniversary. I can't believe it's been 40 years uh, since this movie has been out, but if you know anything, the you you for sure know that the Alien franchise is one of the biggest things ever in cinema. It's even crossed over into video games, comic books, toys, and now it's officially Alien is a Disney princess uh, because Disney bought them out. But Alien, of course, directed by Ridley Scott uh, and written by Dan O'Bannon with a bunch of great artwork and creature design by the late H.R. Geiger, which we'll talk about later. The music was by Jerry Goldsmith, who we love. And the film came out uh, in the United States, May 25th, 1979, and uh, ran 117 minutes, and it cost about $10 million to make, but it ended up making about two, a little over $200 million and spawned uh, four sequel films. It has spawned two prequel films, even uh, recently horror shorts, even more films to come out. Everybody who's anybody in horror always talks about this movie. Um, two crossovers. Yes, do crossovers. Yeah, there's Alien vs. Predator. Oh my god, how did we forget that? But there, Alien, the Xenomorph, it, all these characters, it all started with this first film, which, you know, is kind of like the epitome, the godfather of science fiction and horror mashup because you know, science fiction in a way that, you know, you're in space. Um, there's, it's a crew dealing with trying to get back home and then something happens. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I kind of compare it to a recent movie or a recent in years, The Descent, where this movie is kind of about like a group of people who seemingly kind of you know, or doing their own thing, but they add like a horrific element to it. But what, you know, the first alien film did with the alien in question is like, they barely show it. And that's what made it super creepy <laughs> and it scared everybody. And, you know, they, they changed their tone with different directors and different visions in the future films. But this one with this hell of a cast, including Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and Yafet Koto. Oh, Jesus. Like, it's an insane cast. It's so good. Um, it's, you know, Press and I just watched this last night and this morning again. Because we usually watch it once a year at least. But, you know, just watching it again. He, I watched the theatrical version. He watched the director's cut. And still, I mean, it for movie being 1979... And having all of this, 
you know, modern technology in it, it still holds up better than most horror movies today. And there's something to be said about that. And even the practical effects are unbelievably good. I mean, this even won an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. I mean, this movie is important and uh, is so good. Preston, what do you think? Yeah, it's uh, it's responsible for <clears throat> a lot of some of the great horror films today uh, that inspire that it's just inspired a lot of great horror or horror and sci-fi films. Like if <clears throat> somebody like I don't know the Avengers went back in the past and removed Dan O'Bannon from the equation, like we just what the hell would sci-fi horror be today without him and just to think uh because i i i re i've watched a lot of documentaries i've listened to a lot of podcasts and uh read a lot of material that kind of talk about like the inspiration for the film i know dan o'bannon had crohn's disease and he had a lot of issues with his stomach and he just felt like something that was like bursting out of him. And that's just like where this film came from. And that, and it has kind of developed a fear like Jaws did with like going in the water. Anytime our stomach hurts, we're like, Oh my God, something's going to burst out of me. Um, so just this film had a lot of power of like kind of diving into this fear and like uh, more, it's just more than just like a, you know, human versus alien kind of film. Like, this movie, compared to the other films in the franchise, uh, explores um, the potential of of like um, how would I say it? Like, it explores more of the potential of what's what's to come more, more so than the the impact, because a lot of the violence happens off screen, and a lot of that has to deal with uh, the way that you know it was 1979. They had the practical effects. They had a man wearing an alien suit, and they would just like do slight movements and like uh, kind of explore like what oh man like what would that look like um and we late you know later on in the franchise we see like the alien actually chowing down on a human and chasing them and this one they're just it's it's like he the alien's hiding in plain sight the first time we even see the alien itself in its full form the xenomorph it's like dangling and then the shot is just like such a quiet kind of like tilt and uh, it's like something that filmmakers like James Wan has recognized. If you go back and like watch uh, Insidious, you'll see like some of the entities like hanging around in the background. And we're like, oh, my God, I didn't even see that. That makes it even more scary because it could have been like hiding in plain sight the entire time. And we just didn't know. And you want to go back and watch the film and see if that xenomorph is hiding in other areas. It's just like uh, it's strange design this like exoskeleton look that geiger created uh blending in with like these like sexual death feel of the ship itself this like kind of metal feel um or look it's just incredible like there's a lot going on kind of like john wick there's a lot more uh it, it seems surface level but there's a lot the devil's in the details yeah so. yeah the devil's in the details because they're yeah like it's not just a crew trying to get home there's tons that like like preston said like john wick like you hear of this corporation that's trying to screw over people and it slowly becomes evident like their true intentions but uh it, there, yeah there there's more to see and more to look at 
in this film than just an alien uh, and a crew trying to survive this. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. But with... But before we get into more of it, watching it again, where your expectations were like, "Oh, I got to watch this again. I'm not going to like it," or were they were they really good about it? Um, <clears throat> no, I love this film. Uh, I when Alien Covenant came out, South by Southwest did a screening where they showed footage of Alien Covenant, but they also had. Uh, they did a special retro screening in 4K, I believe, of, or no, 35 millimeter of Alien, the original Alien. So we got to uh, stick around, watch Ridley Scott, you know, show these cool images for Covenant and then talk about the original film. And then we got to watch it again. And so it's just a it's a big part of, of my uh, horror upbringing, uh, if you will, like with films like Jaws 2. Like it's just... It's a haunted house film, essentially, uh, on, on wheels in a way, of uh, just like drifting through space and these uh, humans having a mission and then deception being involved and there's a whole other thing going on. It, it just feels so, so expansive. And I mean, <clears throat> you can look at the sequels and where it goes with like Prometheus and Alien Covenant and it could piss you off because you're finding more out about more about those details. But if you were to just focus entirely on this film, which is the film that Ridley Scott had the most involvement in, um, you know, uh, you know, he did direct uh, Prometheus and Covenant. But if you were to just to look at just the alien franchise of one, two, three resurrection, um, he uh, he had a lot of he just dangled a lot of ideas out there that were fascinating to explore or more so than actually exploring them. But, um, still, um, it, we didn't know what walking to an egg meant. We, we didn't know like what these slimy aliens could spit acid that can melt through your body and through the metal floor. We just didn't know all these things. And, uh, it just spends a lot of time just kind of building towards these moments that be, have become very iconic. Um, so yeah, the movie, uh, has always been a big part of my, uh, I don't know, horror DNA in a way. Um, so, uh, yeah, going into it again, it's just kind of amazing, uh, how it just takes its time. It spends so much time uh, getting to know the characters and how they operate before like any like big horror moments even happen. So it's a very, it's a slow burn kind of feel. And, um, I like those kind of horror films and, uh, it's like the most horror film out of all of them, uh, yes, the entire franchise. Correct. It is. Cause, cause you know, James Cameron made it more action and then it gets darker then it gets lighter. And then, um, just kind of becomes like an adventure film in a way. But this one, like is there's all, just so much mystery going on that, uh, that the unknown is absolutely terrifying. Right. And that's what makes it scary is that, you know, even though there's like a slow burn, but I don't think, I mean, even though to me, there's not a slow burn, you know, because it's like this crew are like, okay, they're in hypersleep. They're awakened. They're now halfway from home because they're woken up because they got a distress call and they go and they're searching it. But like, there's so much tension in it because they have no idea what kind of alien life it is. And then, uh, once it happens like this, like little, this little alien crawler, uh, 
attaches itself to one of the crew members and you're just like, face what? hugger. Yeah, face hugger. What is happening? And then we eventually, uh, he's like out of commission, but then all of a sudden he's awake and doing fine and it's like nothing happened. And then he's eating. Well, I'm hungry. He, yeah, he's eating a meal and then that's when it first happens. And that's when like the first real like shock happens is when the chest burster pops out of his stomach and we see the little alien. And from then on, it's just kind of like, what just happened? And you can see it on all of the actors' faces. Like, what did we just see? Because it's almost as if they didn't know what was going to happen. Because <laughs> their their expressions are so priceless. And uh, from there, the, this xenomorph, this alien, grows to gigantic size and is super smart. And then there's, like Preston said earlier, there are other things at play here from the company this crew was working for uh, that know about this alien or not. Uh, and so how it just becomes kind of like who can survive this. And it's great because Sigourney Weaver, you know, clearly is the smartest person on the ship, but unfortunately, like, nobody really listens to her. <laughs> like, through the whole movie, it's like, mm -hmm. you go back and watch, and you're like, wow, like, nobody listens to her, but she has, like, the, always the right things to say. And, and, I mean, you know, it makes sense, you know, in the end, but you're just kind of like, wow, I, it's, just, it's just crazy. And it's great that, you know, it wasn't like this big macho guy hero. It's, it's uh, Sigourney Weaver, you know? Mm -hmm. And she's just kind of – she's not a fighter per se. I mean she – yeah, she has – she's running from it. She's just trying to survive in this one. Right, right. And then, you know, in future ones, she's more or less the same thing, but she does have her, you know, her big kick-ass moments for sure. But, I mean, she's, she's very relatable in that she's like – I feel like she would do what we would all do, kind of try to be as smart about it as possible. And not jump to conclusions with just guns blazing, but oh man, and just every part in this is so good for her. Yeah, I think any sensible human being in that situation would just be like, "Let's fucking kill it." I have no interest in capturing it alive and then having it experimenting on it in like District Nine kind of way to learn how we can evolve as a species. Um, <clears throat> You know that kind of comes more into play in the in the covenant and uh, Prometheus, but uh, yeah, here it's just like that agenda has not been it's not open yet like it is in the other films. Um, so uh, for somebody who's maybe have uh, saw Prometheus or Covenant first, uh, you could go back and watch this, and I could see people being bored by it. Um, because it's like a slow reveal to like these things that we see in other films. And th that, that's kind of what makes it frustrating uh, as an audience member watching movies like Prometheus and Covenant because we're like, dude, why are you so stupid walking over the egg? It's because we have this knowledge of the franchise, but yet those characters don't. Prometheus is supposed to take place before Alien. Right. So um, it's just like the, the questions that it explores and like – uh, the way that human nature really is, uh, it's shown in film everywhere of um, the government thinks this way and the things that we don't know and, um, uh, or, you know, like how 
high up people operate and they have all these like sinister agendas. And I mean, we're in the news today. We're beginning to see that more and more going on. And so it's just, it's incredible that a, just a science fiction film, horror film was, had all these, had all this knowledge like Dan O'Bannon, uh, he's just such an incredible screenwriter and the, uh, like even like Philip K. Dick too, like just kind of being ahead of his time. Um, it's just, uh, it, it, it elevates, uh, what we kind of knew about the genre beforehand and it just kind of evolved. It made it a groundbreaking feat. Um, and that's what alien is. Um, I mean, it's, it's been a long time, uh, since the movie came out 40 years and we've seen a lot of other films. And so uh, I don't know how like audiences will respond to it in the future when we, it's it's like uh, it's a lot of the things that are explored in Alien have come have become a cliche at this point, which sucks. But at the same time, if you think in the mind of like like what you said of it being kind of like the Godfather in the, of the genre in a way, or the new stage of the genre. Um, it's 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 still a masterful film it's got its issues um still i mean there's a lot of character moments and uh, people still making dumb decisions every now and then but it's still if you think of it in a human way like you know humans make stupid decisions when they're under uh, stress and they're facing terror um but it still unfolds in a realistic, like, I don't know why anybody would just be like, screw, screw that cat. I'm not going to look for that fucking cat. Um, (laughs) but, um, but still it's, it still unfolds in a very realistic way. And it does a great job of building tension, uh, building the, developing these characters, um, and still functions like a horror film dealing with, you know, final girl moment and all those sorts of things. And the, the final showdown, um, I just love it. It's, it's a, it's a great film and it still holds up today. Um, it's, uh, like I love patient kind of horror films and this movie really does take its time and still looks great. And, uh, cool thing about it. Cause it, it just recently came out on 4k for its uh, 40th anniversary. Uh, I don't own the 4k. I have a nerd alert steelbook edition, nerd. Of the, um, but there is a 4k steelbook edition. I don't have that one just because I have a, uh, collection six movie collection of the entire franchise on steelbook, which is super awesome. But, um, I, I'm I'm so glad that horror films are making their way onto 4K because the higher the quality, the better the picture, the more immersive it becomes. And especially for a film like Alien, which you know involve, like we said earlier, with Devil being the details, like to feel that, to see that texture even more, and see things going on in the background and um, that sort of thing, just causes you to be more immersed into the picture so that that's the the positive side of of people today who may have not seen it is to go buy the 4k watch it on 4k watch it in like a high picture quality and it being better looking than it ever has been um so uh yeah love this love this movie uh i love aliens the sequel uh that involves the franchise uh so and and i really appreciated 
the covenant and I, I'm saddened that they uh that it's pretty much dead at this point, but you know, could may have a resurgence with a lot of these short films that are coming out. So this uh and now with Disney ha- handling it, calling the shots, uh anything can happen at this point. So they could go back to it being a uh just a pure monster movie that has mystery but doesn't necessarily explore all the questions that we didn't necessarily ask. Um it there there's uh potential for it to be a great franchise again yeah. um but it all started with he- here and it's uh it's a peak moment for the sci-fi genre and uh it should be it should it should not go unseen it should not and just like just reiterating like just how good this movie is and how good Dan O'Bannon and uh Ridley Scott were to these characters cuz you know in a lot of alien movies or something like that where there's a crew they really are bred these characters are bred for fighting and rescuing but not this crew this crew was literally hired by a company to basically just uh get uh, minerals to take back to earth they really just like a scientist and like just some people to like just get minerals and take them back to earth and then they're into this like horrific stage and just like seeing it unfold as well with the ai of the mother of mother the the ship commander uh ai computer and then with the company and a secret droid on board it's just it's there's so much to it but uh, it's all done in such like a great way and subtle way that it never detracts from kind of like the main story. But there's all these unanswered questions that left it open for, you know, of course, the future of all of the films to be recreated. And just like the practical effects are unbelievably good. And like, again, they won an Oscar and just the design by H.R. Geiger, who... Uh, Dan O'Bannon and H.R. Geiger worked together on the never, uh, the never seen Alejandro Jodorowsky, uh, movie Dune, which was later made, uh, but, but not by him. Uh, everybody kind of got fired and then they both went to do Alien and just like the differences between the chestburster and the facehugger and the xenomorph is just terrifying and great and like, seems realistic to me and just like some of the things like they use to make the xenomorph and stuff look great you know just like they use like cooling tubes from rolls royce to make some of the tentacles they use tons of condoms yes condoms they use tons of ky jelly to simulate the like the massive amounts of saliva that came off the alien you know it's just it's it's really cool how that happens and like what we see today because as we see in the first alien film we only see one but when we go into future ones there's like different types of alien there's a queen alien there's a warrior alien there's a dog alien um but this first one it's just kind of like you see it's an alien but then you see how super smart it is and how uh, as one of the characters described it it's a perfect specimen of life basically um it, 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 it inspired predator which kind of operates very similar Right. Uh, that's uh, just it has its own agenda. So we're like figuring out and the the characters in the film are just as they have their mission and it ends up being something else is going on. And uh, so, yeah, it's just a 
I mean, just echoing everything that we've already said, it's just a, a film that just inspired uh, so many filmmakers out there, and it, it is a powerful film. Yeah, and it still holds up today, and mm-hmm. kudos to everybody in the movie. I mean, Sigourney Weaver is my favorite actress ever, and she's just uh, – she's one of the – her character Ripley is one of the best characters ever on screen and you just you just kind of like fall in love with all the characters here and you know you'll see a lot of them they're like oh all these actors are so young right now you know but like uh, john hurt yeah john hurt uh and ian holm you know bilbo mm-hmm. bag baggins and harry dean stanton uh tom scarrett veronica Cartwright. i mean it's it's so good and i only hope that I, I think just this movie is just timeless and it just keeps getting better because every time I watch it, I'm just like more intrigued and like, wow, they did this and they got it perfectly captured, you know, and I, I don't know. That, that's what I think about it. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it is a little bit funny and kind of comical to watch it in 2019 and when the movie itself is supposed to take place in the future and it has all these like 80s computers, like the 80s version or late 70s, early 80s version of the future. But at the same time, you could be like, well, they've been in hypersleep, so they probably launched at a certain time. And then it's just – and if you bring the way that time operates at different places in the universe, it could be still a very logical reason as to why everything looks the way that it does. Um, So, yeah, it's just – it's a fun film to kind of pick apart and uh, and explore and uh, discuss with friends. Uh, and read about that, um, that, yeah, it's, it's just, just as good to watch as it is to think about. Yes. Yes. Uh, I agree. And it is, um, it's one of those movies that you should definitely see that you should definitely own Mm -hmm. and, uh, watch often. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I believe that wraps up our, um, our uh, very lengthy 51 51st yeah. episode our 51st episode running at an hour and a half but we love it uh yeah alien go see it go see um go buy it go buy it yeah get the 4k so i am hoping like they'll do like a big 4k quadrilogy set again to i so i can replace my blu-ray set but we'll see if they do that but it seems like they're just releasing one at a time right now yeah, well, with Disney owning it now, who knows? What, they maybe Fox at some point had a plan to do that because I also own these like really great anniversary editions, these like big thick uh, box sets, kind of like what we were describing earlier with two thousand one. Um, I have the thirty fifth anniversary of Alien, and I have the thirtieth uh, anniversary of Aliens, and so I was hoping that they would, you know, do the same. But I don't know if they're going to do that with like the third one, and, uh, Resurrection. But um, now that Disney owns it, <clears throat> who knows what they'll do? They, I mean, they still haven't done. Uh, Star Wars, but I guess since now that they have 20th Century Fox, which is what released the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, things can start happening since, like, uh, this is where the future of film is going with 4K. Uh, Yeah, it's bound to happen at some point. 
Let's hope. Uh, but yeah, go see Funny Games. Go see I Come in Peace. Go see Alien. And uh, we are go my see bloody John podcast. Wick. Go see John Wick 3 this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, we are My Bloody Podcast. This is our 51st episode. We will be back next week with our 52nd episode. Um, we're gearing up for the summer horror movies. We're excited. And I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me on BoomstickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com where I'm talking about all sorts of movies and pro wrestling, music, and HD gear such as televisions, projectors, receivers, speakers, all sorts of stuff, and Blu-ray reviews. That's where you can find me. And Preston is all over, all over the internet. Where at? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A. Um, and you can find my writing on freshfiction.tv where I'm the features editor. And uh, Ditton, D-E-N-T-O-N, Ditton R-C, Ditton Record Chronicle.com. Um, so Ditton uh, I have a review up for John Wick and John Wick 3. So you can read about that. And uh, as soon as this is over, I'm going to be writing my article for my interview with uh, Mark Dacascos of uh, John Wick 3. And the focus of it's going to be the evolution of the antagonist in the John Wick universe. Um, so you can look for that online come tomorrow, Friday. So uh, the 17th. So, uh, yeah, all over, I guess. All over. There you go. Uh, we will be back next week. And thank you for listening, everyone.